0: Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Welcome everybody. Good to have you back for another episode of our Leaders Alliance podcast. And I'm super excited about today because I have a good friend who I just uh, have grown to admire. Stu Glassboro will be with us in just a few moments. Uh, And uh, Stu is the pastor of Catch the Fire London, along with his wife, Chloe. And they're also uh, just amazing ministers in a number of different fields. We'll be talking all about that. Uh, But as we get started, let me just say a little bit about Leaders Alliance. We're a global community of kingdom minded leaders who value the local church, but we also believe the local church can become root bound sometimes. And so we want to really help strengthen local churches to be more active in. The realm outside the local church, which means business or education or or arts and music and entertainment and media and so forth. We want to see you active in your neighborhoods and in the soccer practice and, you know, really representing Jesus well outside the local church, but we also want to reach out to people who are already outside the local church and draw them into a partnership with the local church to see God's kingdom come and as will be done in every part of our world. And so this is what our passion is. We have a, a, a weekly meeting, and this is the first week of the month that we've just had, uh, you know, the, the, where we have a special guest like Stu coming on, and we have hub meetings throughout the month. And those hub meetings are our members meetings where we gather together. We have some large group time, and. With a presentation small group time it's a wonderful time to connect we also have an amazing website leadersalliance.org that you're welcome to go to we have training materials we have a bunch of free stuff that we we give away and then we also have obviously the youtube uh, and uh, our social media but please check out our youtube channel uh, for free access to all of our previous podcasts anyway it's great to have you on right now either if you're listening live or in our uh, future archives, it's great to be connected to you. Well, Stu, Glassboro, why don't you come online now? And I, I want to just uh, introduce my friend. Uh, I We began Leaders Alliance together with another friend, uh, St- Steve and Sandra Long, uh, that gosh, about two years ago, and uh, maybe two and a half years ago, and we were just kind of finding our way. There was a, a bunch of uh, collaboration that took place at that time i think it was about a year ago that i was asked to sort of take the the solo lead of everything but but um really i'm indebted to you Stu. (laughs) just because of the wisdom the input the the grace that you brought in the early stages of our development and what we call leaders alliance 1.0 and uh, but I also have admired you from afar just you know I've never gotten to visit your church but but to know what you're doing in the in the heart of London and and what God is doing there among the people that you're ministering to also to know about the the work you're doing in Kenya and uh, the phenomenal things that I know you'll be sharing about in just a moment but also what's really interesting about Stu by way of introduction is he's also a, a veterinarian doctor and he consults other veterinarian practices I mean he's he's got a foot in the marketplace he's got a foot in in the church he's got a foot in in missions in another nation I mean you guys are I don't know how you do it how you stay that busy but I I just uh, admire what God has done in you and through you, the story of your life, the story of Chloe's life and her healing. I mean, all these things are brilliant. Hopefully we'll touch on many of those things today, but welcome. And why don't we just begin by having you share a little bit about your story and then we'll get rolling with some questions and some interaction.
1: Well, I am really privileged to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on to Leaders Alliance. I um, just love being part of Catch the Fire world and being part of Catch the Fire family. So it's really good to be here. Um, yeah, my, I'm from South London. Um, and in South London, we tend to miss out quite a lot of letters in words that normal people pronounce. Um, and so my dialect is uh, very casual. Um, I grew up in South London, had um, a fairly stable home. Um, and then went to university to be a veterinary surgeon, um, in London university and part of the rural veterinary college. And as part of when I was in my, I think it was first year I did research into what happened to the body of Jesus in essence, trying to give me an out and disprove Christianity, um, ended up becoming a Christian, um, was a very intellectually based Christian for a couple of years, at least. Um, and was discipled by the Navigator Movement, which was um, Bible Bible reading, study, memorization of scripture based. Um, and then when I had finished university, moved to a place called Chorley Wood in northwest London and then met my wife and her family and her church and got introduced to the Holy Spirit um, in a way that I hadn't recognized before. And then the big change in our life was in 2003, when Chloe got healed from five incurable diseases, and that messed me up for a few years. And <laughs> so I, it took me three years to even start to compute what had happened in my wife's body. The evidence was in front of me, but I had no grid for it whatsoever. Um, I don't, know, I didn't know the language then, but I think I probably if I was a Christian at that point, I was definitely a cessationist. Um, I just didn't have any grid for it and had no desire to have a grid for it. Um, And then Chloe got healed. Um, She went from being told she'd be in a wheelchair by the time she was 30 to skiing um, and eating whatever she wanted instead of being lactose intolerant. And yeah, the whole, our whole life just turned upside down and that was our journey into uh, the kingdom of God in more, much more of fullness and certainly our journey into Catch the Fire with John and Carolina. Um, we started our mission in Kenya in 2006, and we've helped hundreds and hundreds of children come off the streets. Um, we're now building a village. We've nearly finished building the village um, to rescue, then rehabilitate. And then the, the, the model is to reintegrate children back into families. Wow. Um, and so we're nearly there on that. And hundreds of families have been impacted by our social workers in Kenya. Um, which has been absolutely extraordinary and just such a privilege to be part of. And then we planted the church in 2009. Um, First year of lockdown, everything, nothing changed. We went online. Everyone was doing hunky dory, um, which is a British phrase. We were all doing fine. And I think first lockdown, everyone went through with adrenaline. Um, In the UK, we then had a second lockdown in November of 2021. Um, And people just knew that was a month, therefore it was okay. That actually ended up two months, but we kind of always thought it was going to be ending pretty quickly. And then we had a third major lockdown at the start of 20, sorry, 2021. Yeah. Um, And and a lot of people got very damaged by that lockdown. The psychological impact of the third lockdown really hit people in in the UK and across Europe. And we're still discovering some of that um, in terms of the impact psychologically. But yeah, we then moved from a place called Wembley, which um, soccer fans will know, because that's the base of the English football team. And we're now in a village in London, but in a village area called Pinner, and we have seen an incredible momentum building. Of I, I say to people, it's the first time we've had a local impact where we're seeing people walking in off the streets. We're seeing salvations. Every We've seen five in the last two weeks, just one-on-one individual salvations. We're having Hindus and Muslims walking in our our church. We had a drunk guy last Sunday morning um, who walked into our church, and they've just been attracted by the music sometimes, but the presence of God, and then they're hit by the love of God. But at the same time as this local, we're just about to open a, a coffee shop hub, Um, just down the road from where our church is. And that's going to be a sort of permanent base for Catch the Fire London. And at the same time as this, we're seeing impact through marketplace leaders who are receiving the message and the anointing and the impartation of the kingdom of God And taking that into workplace environments and the testimonies that are coming out of our marketplace leaders is absolutely incredible. Um, Loving, loving, loving the regional impact at the same time as a local impact, because I think that's what the kingdom is about.
0: That's amazing. Well, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired just listening to all that you're doing. but. Um, I would love to explore each one of those. I don't know if we'll have the time to because our real focus in this particular call is to talk about what God has taught you about leadership in general and obviously how it applies in the home and how leadership applies in the church and how it applies in mission on the mission field, uh, how it applies in the marketplace. Um, but, But why don't you just give us a sense of like, how has God brought you to the place where you can kind of bring all these elements together? And and I know also Chloe is doing the TV show, isn't she? I mean that I mean, you guys yep. as a family, you as a couple, you're amazing. Um, how have you managed to <laughs> kind of settle into each of these different roles and how do you bring them together? How do you let's let me ask it this way how do you lead yourself in the midst of these amazing leadership challenges that you're in?
1: I think. When you look at Jesus, he was he seemed to be as comfortable having a barbecue with the disciples, or going to a party with sinners as he was going to the temple or preaching the sermon on the Mount. and mm-hmm. he he just he didn't divide all the areas of his life. He was Jesus Christ of Nazareth who then just lived. And I love that um expression in matthew twenty eight. Um, 18 and 19 where it says um, the, uh, the NIV says go, go and make disciples of all nations but actually if you look at the original Greek it says as you go make disciples mm-hmm. and I love that as you go approach that Jesus had he was here and he's healing the sick he went there he's healing the sick he went there and he's multiplying bread and he went there and he's raising the dead and it was as he went through life that the kingdom of God came. And I think for Chloe and I, um, we, we, we're not trying to separate everything. We're just trying to be Jesus wherever we happen to find ourselves. And so it's a bit of a Christian cliche now, but being, the same on the platform as off the platform, being the same when we're paddleboarding on the coast of Norfolk as we are when we're preaching in Pinner in London, being the same when I'm talking to our ministry team leader as we are when we're talking to our Kenyan leader, the same when we're talking to a guy who runs a investment property business as another guy who's in acquisitions and mergers, the girl who runs our, marketplace ministry is the head of an ultrasonography unit at a hospital in London, but I'm not judging where they're at in life. I'm leading whoever God puts in front of me and relating to them in the way that God talks to me about their life. And I think that's how we get through it all because if you list everything that's happening, it just, like you said, it's tiring thinking about it, but we're not busy yeah. We're just living and yeah. the kingdom comes as we move into these different areas of influence.
0: That's so cool because that's, you know, I mean, Jesus said a, a few things about this. In John chapter five, he said, I only do what I see the father doing. I only say what I feel, see the father saying. Um, you used a phrase in an earlier conversation about dwelling place. I'd love you to take a minute and just elaborate on that, because I think it's really relevant to the question I asked, which is, how do you how do you stay connected to Jesus in the midst of shifting from all these different, you know, expressions of leadership?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, the dwelling place dynamic, obviously, the, the Bible uses different words for the same thing, but, you know, the Hebrews in rabbinic literature, we we'll talk about the Shekinah glory and the literal definition according to Hebrew literature of Shekinah is where the, the, the presence of God dwells. But the mm. word dwell is literally abide, it's remain, it's stay, it's tarry. It's these other words that are used in different translations of the Bible. I, got, I have such a heart that people experience the reality of God. But the reality of God is a moment, a touch, an, an encounter. And these are beautiful and so important. Like my first encounter with the love of God, would, it marked me forever that my first encounter with the power of God messed me up. My first encounter with the presence of God and all these different elements of encountering God in a moment. But God's desire was not that we would just be touched by him. God's desire mm-hmm. would, be, would be that he would dwell with us yeah and so that you know the tabernacle and then the temple and then the 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 indwelling presence of the holy spirit all of this is a momentum towards our connectivity with god being permanent and sustainable and maintainable and so knowing that we're a temples of the holy spirit you know, talking about reflected identities. When we look at the fact that he is the Holy Son, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Looking at him and who he is allows us to see us and who we are. But we're temples of the Holy Spirit. He's not going anywhere. He's a dwelling God that desires to dwell. And so, I think learning, um, Catherine Kuhlman said, you know, that the Holy Spirit is more real than any human being, um, mm-hmm. and we learned that from Carol Arnott. And and we've tried to discipline ourselves to not to not be dividing our life into this is where God is in charge and this is where I'm in charge, but just saying Mm -hmm. we're obedient. Like you said, we only do what we see him doing. That's not just a figure of speech. That's literally how Jesus lived his life. Mm -hmm. He 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 didn't say, I only do it in Christian meetings. (laughs) It wasn't, I only do what I see the Father doing when i'm in a prophetic flow it's like that was his life and so every oh. time he he ministered every time he spoke every time he made a joke every time he walked down a road he's he's yeah. reflecting the behavior of the father and that's how we stay connected by not having a you know as many have preached before a sacred secular divide but realizing that as the temple of the holy spirit i'm never off yeah we had a we had our team at church who were like, you know, are we on or are we off in this meeting? And I'm like, whoa, 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 there's no such thing as off.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You don't switch this thing off. You can be responsible in the moment or not responsible in the moment. You can be on the roads or not on the roads. You can be on duty and not on duty, but you're never off. <laughs> like, yeah. this is this is lifestyle Christianity. and. Yes learning, someone said to me the other day, how do I learn to hear the voice of God? Because I'm I'm asking, I'm not hearing anything. And I said, you know, the first time I met Chloe, I would never have recognized it was her voice in a room. Mm. But spending time with Chloe, I now know her voice. So much so, and this is me getting very good husband points, but so much so that I can be talking to someone in front of me, and my wife can be talking on the other side of the room, And my head is hearing her voice louder Mm -hmm. than the voice. And I have to really concentrate on the conversation I'm in. But that doesn't come just because I read a book about Chloe. It comes from spending time with Chloe. And Mm -hmm. learning her voice means that her voice becomes louder even when it's not louder because the reticular activating system, if you want to get technical, is yeah. actually tuning us in and out of different sounds. That's how people can sleep near airports because the reticular activating system <laughs> tunes out that noise. Right, but right. we're actually, it, does, it doesn't just work in one way. It works in both ways. I'm actually, mm. my RAS has actually tuned in to close voice. I hear yeah. it even when she's not talking to me. And that's yes. what we do with God. We spend time, we learn his voice. And if we spend enough time, our spiritual reticular activating system tunes into him, even when it's absolute chaos in our lives.
0: That's so true. You know, I was thinking about a mechanic friend of mine who could tell, you know, something's the, the engines missing on this particular cylinder or, you know, as a guitarist, you know, tuning in to the, the harmony of what's going on. It's, it really is something we learn and grow in. And, yep. and I feel like, you know, one thing just, you know, if you're if you're listening to this podcast right now or in the future, you know, uh, Stu is probably one of the more brilliant leaders I know. And he's also one of the more strategic leaders I know. But one of the things I appreciate most about you is how tuned in you stay to the Lord mm-hmm. and how responsive your leadership style is. And you m- used a phrase a few minutes ago about uh, leading from reflective identity. Okay. Or, you know, that, and, and I want you to unpack that phrase for us a little bit. Tell us what you mean by that, because, because obviously identity is essential to everything we do. We have to know who we are before we can fulfill our God-given purpose on the earth. Identity is crucial, but you're talking, you're using a phrase, reflective identity. I want to, I want to have you kind of build from there and let's, let's see if we can explore that concept a bit more.
1: So the, the reflected identity concept comes from Genesis 127, where he talks about the creative narrative of the fact that we are created in His image. And the problem with the world, particularly at the moment, is that they're they're making up their own identity. Individuals are are just fabricating identity. Mm-hmm. And even in the church and in businesses that are Christian run, we're often walking into identity that we feel we should do or we want or other people do or we are told by the world to do or told by the church to do or our identity maybe because our mom and dad or our caregivers kind of imprinted us to have identity but actually we're made in his image Mm -hmm. and again you know these these words in the bible they're not just there by accident they're not just nice concepts i'm made in the image of God. And so when I'm looking to find who I am, I can't even look to my own parents because they aren't perfect. I have to look to God. And what I mean by reflective identity is that if I can look and see God, whether it be in the scriptures, whether it be prophetic or visional, but I look and see God, and then I find myself in who I see God to be. And mm. so my identity is not built on my history. My identity is not built on circumstances around me. My identity is built on the fact that I look to God and I see a reflection, you know, in the same mm. way that Hebrews 1.3 said that Jesus was the full representation or reflection of God's um, identity. We, we, we look, we see God and then when we learn about God we can learn about ourselves and in different moments and this is why we have to be people who can hear the voice of God and be led by the spirit even in our Bible readings we're led by the spirit because the different things that we find of God in our scripture readings we will learn about ourselves and if we are truly being spirit led he will lead us to the bits that show us about us in that moment in that season of life and so if I look at jehovah Rapha, the lord who heals i'm looking at um, the fact that he's a healer what does that mean i then have questions about myself and i can get reflected identity on, on multiple mm-hmm. different fronts firstly jehovah Rapha doesn't actually mean the lord who heals it means the lord who keeps you healthy and so mm-hmm. healing is part of that mm-hmm. but the lord who keeps me healthy okay i'm supposed to live a life of health that's part of my identity. Sickness yeah. is not part of my identity. Disease is not part of my identity because I've seen the identity of God, the Lord who heals thee, the Lord who keeps right. you healthy. But right. also I find in him and his identity as a healer my identity of health, but also my identity as a healer. And so I start to learn about my God-given mandate to heal the sick and raise the dead and, and cast out demons, all health oriented actions, because I find reflected identity when I learn who he is.
0: That's so good. Wow, that's, I mean, that, and that obviously applies to a number of other areas in our life. You know, the, uh, I mean, the multifaceted nature of God really reflects back to a multifaceted dynamics of of identity that we need to walk in as believers. And ultimately, where we're going to get to is that all true leadership, if it's true leadership, will flow out of that place of identity. In other words, who you know yourself to be in the presence of God through the scripture, through your personal encounters with him and so forth, will actually shape your inner being in such a way that what projects out of that will have integrity and it'll have intentionality and it'll have all the dimensions of kingdom leadership. So why don't you take it in a few more directions? You know, what are some of the other aspects of identity that can be reflected and ultimately will serve as a fountain of, of, of leadership flowing out of us with authenticity?
1: I think, you know, one of the things that Bethel has has taught the world is about the royalty of God and the royalty of our identity. But again, we're Kings because he's the King of Kings. And so we get to lead as rulers. We look and then we find in the scriptures what that means and what that doesn't mean because there were good Kings and bad Kings. So we get to look at God being the King of Kings. And that defines how we behave as rulers in the areas of influence and leadership that we have. And so you know i think that we've got two different things happening here but both of them need to come together one is the is the true identity of who god is and how we pull on that to find our own identity but then we have the the <laughs> the, the, the the communion with god and the individual momentary kairos moments with God which mean that we can only do what we see him doing and so we know who he is we find out who we are and in that place of communion and intimacy with him we get to reflect him into the moment and so I was with um, a lady at church uh, two weeks ago who didn't know who she was in any shape or form and so I'm like god what do you need what does this person need right now well what they needed in that moment was looking at jesus and seeing her with the with the woman who was caught in adultery okay i look to jesus and i see a person of compassion okay mm. that reflects into me in this moment and she needed the compassionate side of me reflecting the compassionate side of god whereas there was someone else at church the same day and what they needed is i asked god okay what do they need to be led by right now what do they need to see of you right now god and what i felt in that moment was that they needed more of the Jesus turning the tables over in the temple side of God, which was a much more hard conversation. It was a much more directive conversation. It was a much more God is saying this in this moment conversation. And if I had just tracked with one style of leadership, one of those two people would have got the wrong style of leadership. That's right. And that's the beauty of the, the sensitivity that we can have to God and the adaptability of our own. We don't adapt our identity because we know who we are as reflections of who he is. And he is, as you said, multifaceted. We get to reflect different areas of who God is through our lives without changing who we are because he is multifaceted, which means we grow to be multifaceted. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we said in a previous conversation, so many people are like, I'm from this place. That's why I'm like I am. Or Mm -hmm. I've come from a hard background. Therefore, this is who I am. I come from a rich background. Therefore, and the therefore immediately we trip over sin because it's not we're not allowed. We don't get a free pass to behave in any way. Right. We're designed to be who Jesus has called us to be in that moment. And we can only find our identity in God.
0: Well, let's let's explore that aspect a little bit more right now, because obviously, you know, as a leader and a leader of leaders, as you are, um, one of the biggest sources of dysfunction that I see in leadership altogether is a false identity, you know, a, an identity that's maybe birthed out of woundedness from the past or insecurity or um, an orphan spirit, I, you know, an orphan mindset. And, and, you know, we might even need to unpack that phrase a little bit because some of our viewers may not really even know what an orphan mindset is. But it's a sense of, you know, I think all of us are born into a sense of uh, disattachment, of, of uh, a sense of uh, not belonging. Uh, you know, it's our relationship with the Lord that really deepens our understanding of of true identity. But most of us come out of a world with false identity, or no identity, or, or projected identities that are sort of superficial. And, and ultimately, when we live in those identities and lead from those identities, we actually can cause great damage in people. Can you give us your, your kind of experience as you've worked with leaders who are dysfunctional? And coming from a false identity standpoint, how can we, first of all, identify that? How can we bring them to a place of, of change and how can we process that change into fruitful leadership?
1: I think one of the most common ministries that I've ever done as a leader in a Christian environment has been what we call father types ministry, which mm-hmm. is looking at the way that people are imprinted mm-hmm. by their parenting and how, and the uh, Sozo ministry would call it the father ladder, but how we how we, the way that our father and our mother have grown us as children, whether they're even there or not, because the absent father is a type of father, Mm -hmm. um, and they may have died, or they may have been, you know, they may have moved away, or they may never have been present, but we are shaped and designed by God to have good parenting to grow us up in the ways of the lord is the command in in scripture and yet all of our parents are wounded to some degree which means they they grow us up in the way that they were grew up obviously usually but out of their own woundedness which means we have different elements of woundedness in our own lives and we have to clean that up we have to realize that god is different to our parents But when we forgive Mm -hmm. our parents, we get to see God in a new way. But as we see God in a new way, our definitions of fathering, leadership, nurture, touch, even as we forgive humans for the sin that they have committed, we get to see God in a new way. But as we see God in a new way, we get to then reflect that and see humans in a new way. And so Mm -hmm. our definitions start to change as we forgive the humans relate to god and then from our relation to god we then get to reflect that back on the earth and so Mm. wounded leadership i was literally speaking to someone last week who um, is having a nightmare with their boss at work and so in the just in very very simple questions we found out likely and this is how it works you don't need huge counseling degrees To just figure out that with a couple of questions, the boss who's causing a nightmare to this person who I was talking to has got major issues in their own childhood, probably. But the way that they have been led historically has caused them to always enter conflict fighting. Mm. And so they come into every bit of conflict with the the guns drawn and the knives out, Mm. you know, metaphorically. And that's how they that's how they survived as a leader as a dysfunctional leader that's how they have survived and in that they've then reflected that leadership into the lives of the person who i was talking to because that's the only style of leadership that has allowed that's worked for them
0: Uh, that's interesting it's almost as if all leadership is reflected leadership to some extent it's just who are you reflecting
1: exactly that's actually very very good that's an yeah, interesting we, re- we reflect the way and it's interesting if you ask people what was their favorite teacher at school or something like that and you can start to identify what leadership styles they prefer to be led by so i will mm-hmm. always say what was the best thing about your caregiver and who was your favorite teacher at school and in mm-hmm. those dynamics i will often find what style of leadership this person that i'm talking to and asking the questions of actually um, thrives in Right. Because they'll say, oh, it was Mr. Bird in year four. And in year, why was Mr. Bird your favorite teacher? Oh, because he always, and in the end of that sentence, tells you how that person is going to thrive in leadership. And not always healthy, but that is how they're going to thrive in leadership until they get healed.
0: That's so cool. And that's really, I mean, to be honest, that's really what God does. I mean, I, I just feel like as I look over the 45 years I've been walking with Jesus, I feel like God has tailored his leadership to me in a way that is very personal. I mean, even as recently as this week, you know, having an encounter with the Lord in worship where God was both correcting me, but also guiding me into a different way of thinking. And, 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 and really, a lot of that was around, you know, my, my inability to sometimes feel his love. And the Lord was able to kind of touch me in a place in my heart where it, it brought tears to my eyes because, and I don't cry for anything, you know, except commercials. But, but you know, it's just the, uh, the you know, the personalization. Let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, I think in terms of your leadership style or, you know, you want to have a full toolbox where, you know, not every, you know, there's a phrase that we have in the U.S. that to, you know, Um, that to every, uh, to to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. That's the phrase, okay? Mm. In other words, a one-dimensional leadership style that is really not actually reflective of God's leadership in our life you know, that we kind of come at something and usually it's because of woundedness. We learn a certain set of skills and we use those in every situation, even though let's say we have a wrench in our toolbox as well and we have a saw and those, the wrench and the saw are the appropriate tool for the, for something different. Talk about how yeah. to tailor leadership to the specific issue or, or the needs of the individual you're leading at the moment and why that's important.
1: I mean, i, I a backup question to that would be, why do we do that? And I think the reason that we do that and that we're not adaptive in our leadership is because of insecurity in and of itself or it's ignorance. We're either insecure and therefore this is the way it must be because of our own woundedness and I protected myself and this is what works. And therefore I have to stay in that lane Um, or ignorance because we just, this worked. It worked with this person. Therefore, it works and that's how we do it. And right. you see that um, in sporting teams in the UK and, and you suddenly see blow-ups with certain types of sportsmen being led by this person. But then another sportsman in the team will be like, it's the best leader ever. They're the best thing that's ever happened in my whole life. I've never been more motivated. And then there's someone else who just walked out of the club because they got exactly the same leadership style because it's to every hammer, everything's a nail. Nice. Why do people do that? because of insecurity or ignorance. Now, insecurity needs healing. Ignorance just needs awareness. And so even as people are watching this, the awareness side of it, we're like, oh, there are more ways than one of leadership. All right. Now I'm in there. Now that I'm aware of that, I can just adapt. How do we adapt? I think asking the questions when I'm with a business leader, I'll always say, right, how many staff have you got? I've got 15 staff okay, we're going to create a file for each of the 15 staff that no one will ever see other than you and me, and I want you to learn your staff. That's so good. What makes them happy? What makes them mad? Where are they in distress? Where are they thriving? Where do they gravitate to in the business? What's their, kind of their number one? Where do you always find them? You know, what are the things that they never do? Oh. I'm asking all of these questions and asking the question why means that you can learn your staff and you can then start to adapt your leadership style to your staff. Mm. And I'll ask questions like, what are their hobbies? But why? What's their favorite film? What's their, what, you know, what do they do when they're off? How do they de-stress? And all of these sorts of questions allow you to learn people that you're leading and because the answer to why, why do they do that? Why do they feel that? What's, the, mm. what's behind the answer gives you so much information Wow. And, you know, there's a person who said to me once in my team, oh, it just annoys me about that person. And I'm like, what annoys you? They never say please or thank you. And I'm like, they always say please or thank you. But my, my internal, my leadership, my, my soul was like, that's not true. I really like that person. They always say please. Yeah. But my leadership gift kicked in. And I'm like, okay, I have now learned something about this person.
0: Right.
1: And so even in their complaining, I'm learning about them. Right they get distressed when people aren't polite all right well it's politeness doesn't cost me anything so when i'm leading them i'm putting please and thank yous in i hope i do that anyway but with them i'm very intentional about yeah, the please and thank yous it's a free win for me as a leader and people say oh i don't know if i've got the time to learn my staff or learn my church or learn whatever it may be in in terms of leadership and i'm like but if you don't learn the people that you're leading you're missing so many free wins
0: That's so good.
1: Mostly happy staff, happy leaders are better leaders and better staff.
0: That's so good. And
1: so learning them and adapting my leadership according. Now, you don't adapt to their woundedness, but you can work with their woundedness until they're healed. But you do adapt to how God created them to be and how life has shaped them to be.
0: No, that's so good. You know, I mean, that's really a lesson that we need to learn because I think that when we think about organizational leadership, we sort of see all the people as one lump and we're leading a group of people, but not leading individuals. And I think it's really yeah. interesting in the scripture, you know, one of my favorite sort of uh, apostolic definitions is found in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 4. First Corinthians three, you have Paul as a master builder leading an organization, you know, making sure everybody does their job. In chapter four, he says, you have many teachers, not many fathers. He, he's, he's talking about individual leadership and the two need to come together or we're going to have big problems. If you're just leading a lump of, of people, a, a group of people, you're going you're gonna to fall into that one size fits all sort of conveyor belt leadership style. And you're going to miss the opportunity, as you said, to customize leadership in a way that gives you many wins.
1: But the the problem, I think, is that dysfunctional leadership will still it will still meet the needs of a certain part of the population. Oh, and yeah. So this leader who was this leader who was causing grief to the person I was talking to. They've got lots of happy people in their team as well. But I bet you if you did a survey, they've had turnover and staff attrition of the people that don't like that style of leadership. Mm. And this one leader is behaving in one way to all of her staff. And she will feel justified and validated in that because she's got people who really love her and really love her leadership style, Mm. not realizing that all the people that didn't love her or her leadership style left
0: right now that's and we do so, that in uh,
1: churches we're like we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and we're gonna carry on doing it and look how many happy faces we're seeing not realizing right. that some other people have already left because they didn't vibe with that leadership right. style and so if we're able to say actually i can be flexible and i can be adaptable to dependent on yes the need of the person but more importantly as we always say obedience to god trumps everything else yes. so being sensitive to god and sensitive to the needs of the people we, we are adaptable without actually having to sacrifice our identity in the midst of it because our identity is not about function our identity is about who we are in christ and so our right. identity isn't you are a funny communicator that's not part of an identity that's a function you right. are a straight communicator. You are a wisdom-filled communicator. That's not a, that's not identity. Our identity in Christ allows us to be strong enough to adapt our functionality. And right. I think that's where the reflective identities of God coming into our lives, because He's adaptable to all of us. Every single one of His creations is completely different, and yet He meets us all in the place of need and the place and the. Speaks to us all in the way that we can hear it. I mean, how crazy is that? Some people have pictures. What, some people have visions. Some people have dreams.
0: That's right. Isn't that what Jesus modeled too? With the uh, you know the woman caught in adultery, or at Matthew's house, or you know the woman who broke the alabaster box over. You know, it's like in each setting, or the rich young ruler. It's like in each setting, yeah. he had a very different tact to take. And, and, yeah. and I know, for, for instance, as we said earlier, that that was obviously being responsive to the heart of God at the moment. But it was also, I think, the ability for Jesus to be as um, responsive to yes. each situation. And, and that's one of the things that you know, um, you know, we, we've talked about before. And obviously, everybody has a different opinion about, but there's different gift mix groups in scripture when we have ephesians 4 we have romans 12 um but we see diversity in that you know the one i love in in ephesians 4 is it says when jesus ascended he gave five gifts and really all those gifts are gifts he operated in they were all parts of his nature and then what he said is and i think the big mistake we make is we make it all about verse 11 when really it's about verse 12 to equip the saints for the work of ministry Well, in what sense? Well, in those five senses. So even as somebody who's, let's say, wired to be more, let's say, apostolic and teacher in my gift mix, I still need to learn to be more pastoral, too. Like you were saying, you know, that just because you're from a certain region doesn't give you permission to be rude, you know. It's like I still need to love people, even though it's not my primary default. So that adaptability, how do we keep ourselves that fluid? How do we keep ourselves that adaptable? Because that's really what I think you're saying reflected leadership is all about. So give us some thoughts about some practicals there.
1: I think humility is a choice. Mm. But humility is also a response. Mm -hmm. And I think too many of us, because I think humility is the answer to that. But Mm -hmm. I think too many of us see humility as something I'm disciplining myself to be. I'm uh, teaching this coming week on um, I am the king of glory. That's the title Mm -hmm. of my preach. And Mm -hmm. as I've been delving into both the word king and the word glory, I've just been seeing God getting bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger. And in Mm -hmm. the the enormity of who God is, I think arrogance and immovability just disappear. Mm. And so, humility is the answer but trying to be humble is worth i mean it is worth trying to be humble but actually humility as a discipline versus humility as a response is, is a mm-hmm. it's a game changer because when i stand before him and i realize he's the king of kings and it's like the centurion dynamic of i'm a man under authority therefore i have authority um and uh, i think in that mode of humility before the enormity of god we can be adaptable to what's in front of us wow. because humility is the antidote for arrogance and arrogance or ignorance is the reason that we're not changing
0: wow yeah i mean when you just use the word humility what flipped in my mind was the counterpart which is honor you know in other words i think a lot of times when we fall into leadership traps we're, we're looking for, um, we're seeing people as utilities, you know, and yeah. we're not honoring them as true individuals in Christ, or let's say in a marketplace setting, true true individuals who may not be in Christ, but still are worthy of a certain amount of honor that evokes a certain amount of humility in us to to listen, yeah. to learn, to learn who they are, as you said earlier. Because again, I think that that's where, I remember one time coaching a pastor who who was having trouble with his associate and the the associate was just, you know, flying off the handle, you know, just going doing things and undercutting the pastor's role in the church. And I just said, well, help me to understand this guy. And he says, what do you mean? This, he gave me his job description. I said, well, that's not what I'm asking. What, what's his dream? (laughs) He says, dream, what are you talking about? I said, well, how can you lead somebody if you don't know where their ultimate destination is? In other words, where, they, where yeah. they see themselves in five years or 10 years. How can you, in other words, it's that same principle of learning those you lead. I mean, that's such a powerful thing. Yeah, exactly. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it. it really is. And I think um, we, we just need to realize that all of God's creation is his creation. And so Danny Silk teaches, doesn't he, that um, I love the me I see in you. Yeah. And that phrase is, is part of our culture now at Catch the Fire London. We're kind of like, we always kind of joke about it. But the, the point of the statement is, and uh, we've talked about this in another conversation, that if I understand who God created me to be, then I start to become confident in who I am. But there's a very fine line between confident in who I am. And then the next step in that journey, which is who I am is Right yeah which is logical because god made me who i am therefore it must be right but the next step from i am right is if you are different you are wrong right because i must be right because god created me like this and you don't even the soul doesn't even compute that god created the person differently We just Mm -hmm. say, well, it must be woundedness or orphanness or dysfunction or, you know, sin that's caused you to be different to me because I'm created by God and therefore I'm right. Yes. But what you're bringing in there with humility is honor and realizing that God created me to be me. He didn't create you to be me. And therefore, I can honor what God has put on your life and I can honor who God created you to be and realize that you can be right even when you disagree with my rights. Mm hmm. And that is, I believe, the foundation of honor. Yes. Because you can say honor, but to really honor is to recognize difference and celebrate it.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, one of the phrases I learned early on that helps me in almost every point of conflict with people I'm leading is, Help me to understand dot, dot, dot. <laughs> you know, if, if I can get the understanding, if I can understand where they were coming from, what was in their mind when they acted in the way that offended me as their overseer leader, <laughs> it just solves a thousand problems. And it also gives them permission to even acknowledge their own failure to follow correctly and. Um, without me having to police them or to, you know, in a sense, insinuate or punish or shame them, you know? And so that's super mm-hmm. important. Now you, you gave us three, three things in an earlier conversation that I think uh, were really helpful about diagnosing somebody's failure to follow, you know, um, can you go into that a little bit? Cause obviously the flip side of leadership is generating followership and it's not always easy to do, especially when there is a different style of leadership in the person you're leading than the leadership that you're bringing to them so talk about that a little yeah. bit
1: so i have what i've learned um in my experience is that there's three reasons why people don't do something mm-hmm. um, some some don't want to and the wants uh, is not something you can give them if they don't want to follow you or they don't want to do that role or they don't want to whatever it may be function-wise, um, you can't change once. The second reason is that they they don't know how. Now, yes. that may be because they don't have enough confidence. It may be that they need upskilling. It may be that they they just need direction. They need modeling. They need coaching. They need fathering. They need nurturing. Yes. They may need a lot of things um, to, to enable that second one. So it's like, I don't want to. I don't know how. What I've found, especially recently, is that the number one reason that people weren't doing anything in our sphere of influence is because they didn't know they were allowed to. They wow. hadn't received personal permission to fly. Wow. They hadn't received personal permission to influence. They hadn't received. And we, we our church has got probably over 40 nationalities represented and so we're massively Mm. multicultural and so I was speaking to someone from a central Kenyan background and I was like can I just ask you what prevents you from stepping up and having more influence I I nearly fell off my chair when his response was "You never asked me to
0: Uh...
1: and I'm like what what do you mean every week we're like no no you you throw stuff out but you've never asked me to do this do you right. need me to do this? And I'm like, I'd love you to do this. And he's like, okay, done. And he started doing it the next week. And I'm like, wow. I just had to ask the question. Like, that's incredible. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, so they, they don't want to, maybe they can get ministry or deliverance that will cause that want to change. But yeah. I've learned very early on that we need faithful, available and teachable people. Um, yes. And if they're not available because they don't want to and they're not teachable because they don't want to change, then there's not a lot we can do to actually affect that. As Jesus said to one person, do you want to be well? Um, yes. was a very interesting question in in my theology. Um, so they don't want to. They don't know how. And then that's for us as leaders to upskill. But again, some people thrive in coaching. Some people thrive in Um, directive leading. Some people Mm -hmm. thrive in space. Some people thrive with a list. So so we need to learn the people to work out how to teach them how to do it. And then the third one, it's just been the most spectacular revelation for me, just asking the question and giving the permission.
0: That's so good.
1: We we found one of our best leaders I've ever experienced by just saying, hey, are you all right doing some welcoming and, and getting the team together for welcoming at church? And this guy who's now living in um, the Netherlands in Europe, but he just rose from someone who sat in church to one of the best leaders we've ever had in a, in an instance where I just said, Hey, would you think about doing this? Right. And he was like, sure. And the next week, the, the welcome team had a mission statement. They had leaflets. They had a way we do things wow. in our welcome team. They yes. had culture, yeah. they had community, they had fellowship. And I'm like, this is the best <laughs> ever. And it was all because I just happened to ask the guy, hey, could could you do a thing?
0: <laughs> wow. Well, you know, because you're over I a think couple. As
1: leaders, we're terrified. Sorry, I was just saying as, as, as leaders, yeah. we're often terrified to ask the question because we don't want to put pressure on people. What I found is that most people are waiting for it to be asked.
0: Wow, oh, that's so good. Now, now you, you're obviously, a, a, let's call it an expert recruiter. And because you're over very big, you know, three different branches of ministry, you've had to recruit leaders. And you told me how each of those leaders were different from one another. You know, maybe some of them aren't even leading at this moment, but but you had to learn how to adapt your style. Can you talk about that for a minute? Because that was fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, pre-COVID, we were leading three charities. We're still leading those charities. But pre-COVID, we were leading three charities the local church, the national ministry, and our Kenyan ministry. And we had delegated the day-to-day leading to three different leaders. So Tom, Dan, and Sarah. I learned very quickly that they were poles apart in their needs, but also how they used to thrive in leadership. And so Tom was a leader who needed freedom. He needed some space. He needed affirmation. Um, But it was affirmation and kind of go get them, you know, fly, baby, fly sort of leadership. Um, And he would fly. If if we were too micromanaging, he used to find that oppressive. And obviously, there's, you know, you can argue some people don't like micromanagement because they're rebellious. But that wasn't his issue. He just needed space. And then Dan... If I'd given the same space to Dan, who was leading conferences and national ministry, he would have just bought the biggest place possible and we would have ended up in huge amount of debt because he is the most optimistic and enthusiastic person I've ever met in my life. And so he's a problem solver and he'll solve the clappers out of everything. Um, But if I'd given him the space that I gave Tom, we would have rented Wembley Stadium for a small conference and had 200,000 pounds worth of debt, probably on a weekly basis, knowing Dan, because he's so enthusiastic and optimistic. He'd be like, yeah, but that's not going to happen this week. This week, we're going to get 70,000 people. Um, Sarah, who was running the Kenyan project, was much more soft, docile. She was a high-level responder, um, high-level influencer. And had come from a hard background. Um, And if I'd given her the same space that Tom had, then she would have felt completely abandoned by me. Mm. And when we traveled, she did feel abandoned by me and Chloe. And so she needed constant communication and connection, not because she's wounded, but because Mm. that was the style of leadership that she thrived under. And Mm -hmm. so if I'd given Dan that kind of affirmatory leadership, he probably would have just sat there and received it and never done anything. If I'd given Tom that kind of constant attention, he would have felt oppressed, but Sarah needed it. Whereas Dan needed sort of shepherding, Sarah needed, I would say fathering and Tom needed colleagueship and, and, coming alongside and cheering him on and they're completely different styles of leadership. And so I had to learn very, very quickly That each person needs a different style of leadership, whether that may be healthy, unhealthy, wounded, dysfunction, doesn't matter. That's who they are. They're in the place of leadership, and it's our job in the journey of healing. But until they're healed, we're still dealing with their dysfunction. But even when they're healed, they're going to be different people.
0: That's amazing. And this is something I'll say to all of you listening today and in the archives is that this point that Stu is making, I believe, is just a a world changer for you. In other words, uh, reflected leadership is not just reflecting the identity that God has given us through our sonship, through our, our place of healing in the Lord, through the scripture, through the truth of his word, but it's also being responsive to the actual needs of the individual. I would just say, leader, most of your frustrations are probably rooted in a misunderstanding of what Stu just said. In other words, if you could actually uh, learn your people more effectively, if you could sow into them more directly, if you could learn their style of receptivity and responsiveness, I think many, many of your leadership challenges would be solved. And so, you know, we need to wrap up, Stu, Uh, what final words would you give to a leader? that you know you're you're coaching you know hopefully you know, 20 30 50 people that are listening to this both now and in the archives what would you say to just strengthen their hands for this next season of leadership especially kind of post covid coming out you know moving into a new season what do you hear
1: what i hear is god saying that the answer is in me and there is nothing literally nothing that you are going through, have been through, or will go through, that the answer, the solution is not found in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Mm -hmm. I just feel that this next season is going to be one of leaders, and I'll, I'll explain the language, but abandoned to God. And I don't just mean on your face in a worship set. I mean, abandoned to God in that he is everything we need. Amen. And as leaders if we could show that abandonment not just in praise and worship or in generosity and finance but abandonment in terms of our functionality as leaders mm. that abandonment which obviously comes out of the humility is is where we find him being all that he is yes. and so throwing ourselves on god not just when the bankruptcy comes or the person leaves the job or the you know don't wait for a lawsuit or a person one of your key leaders leaving to to throw yourself on god throw yourself on god because you're thriving and you're succeeding and you're prospering in everything you do and the next step may need a completely different style of leadership to the one that got you to that prosperous place But If you don't throw yourself on God in complete abandonment, then you're just going to do what you always did. And that may have been successful in the last season. It may not be successful in the next season. Don't just change everything because it's a new season. Be obedient to God in the new season and realize that actually, if we're going to do what we see him doing and say what we hear him speaking, then that has to be through communion and intimacy with him. And so I really feel it's going to be a season of abandonment of leaders, elves onto Jesus. And in that intimate place, we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to carry on with this and we're going to change this, but because we're hearing it from the heartbeat of God, we've got a church plant in Mexico city. And the phrase that uh, Diego and Jimmy use um, as their kind of strapline for their community is we want to be so close to the heart of God that other people can hear his heartbeat through us.
0: Wow, that's so good. Well, gosh, it's been so great having you on this podcast, Stu. We're going to be wrapping up. But before we do, let me just say one more thing. You know, Leaders Alliance wants to invite you to get involved, become a member, uh, look at our website at leadersalliance.org. We also have a special course that we've just released that is available right now. It's called Kingdom Leadership Foundations. It really takes many of the things we talked about today and elaborates on them in a powerful way. And and honestly, what, what Stu brought today is typical of the different leaders that we have speaking there. They're seasoned leaders who have gone through life and have processed their leadership in the presence of God and are now able to share truths that I believe will continue to edify you into the future. So anyway, welcome. We, w- we want you to be involved with us. We meet every week on Wednesday. So join in Stu, could you just pray a short prayer of impartation as, as uh, we wrap this up now?
1: Yeah, Father, I want to thank you that you sent your son so all of this is possible. And we're not just talking speculative, hopeful statements, but we we know this is possible because Jesus died and rose again and so we just ask that the anointing that Jesus had to be obedient to you not my will but yours would come on everyone who's watching and that that anointing and the impartation from the Garden of Gethsemane not my will but yours would be resonant in our leadership resonant in our lives resonant in our marriages resonant in our families in Jesus precious name we just bless you that you would lead from a place of identity knowing who God is, knowing who you are and then being secure enough to find out who the people are that you're leading. And so we bless you in Jesus name.
0: Amen. That was so good. Well, God bless you all. And uh, we hope to see you again on a future podcast or honestly, join us for Leaders Alliance on our weekly hub gatherings as a member. God bless you all and take care.